Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we talk about players' cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Today is a defenseman episode uh, featuring an eligible player, a recently inducted player, and an old-timer in the Hall of Fame. Our eligible player is Eric Desjardins. Uh, our, our recently inducted player is Rob Blake. And our old-timer is Herb Gardner. My name is Riley. I'm joined by Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. How about you? I'm doing all right, thanks. I reversed the order of things there a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today we're going to start off with uh, Eric Desjardins and uh, and then Rob Blake and then Herb Gardner. So um, first off, we have Desjardins, who played in the NHL from 1988 to 2006, which is 17 seasons, 16 of which are, we could say, roughly quality. And uh, his numbers are, his offensive numbers are, you know, fine for a defenseman, not, not particularly impressive, about 140 goals, 440 assists, and just under 600 points in nearly 1,200 games. So about, uh, I think he's actually exactly a, a half a point per game player. Nice. Um, plus, plus 198. And the, the basically the thing that might say right off the bat that he belongs in the Hall of Fame, and, and just, just loading that out there, is that he is 22nd all time in hockey references defensive point share metric. So by that, he is the 22nd best defenseman um, all time. But of course, that's a career thing. It's not, it's not rated. It's not, um, it's not per game, right? So it's, it's yeah. because he played for 1200 games and, uh, and, uh, or 1143. And, and also, uh, point shares have changed over the years and they they seem to be one of the things i've noticed and we haven't talked about this in the past but one of the things i've noticed doing all these write-ups is like the value of a point share seems to have increased over time mm -hmm. yeah. and i don't know why i mean some of that is just because the year uh, there are more games in each season than there were in yeah. say like 1970 but some of it also just seems to be um i don't know it, it must have to do with like it's a calculation involving goals for and against and stuff like that so it must it, it probably varies with the the number of goals scored in the league and the number of teams and things and i just yeah it's not linear but like it definitely seems it's way more than like it used to be so that's the other thing is when he, you hear he's 22nd all time defensive point shares yeah take it with uh, a grain of salt one of the things that jumps out at me too is his average time on ice is really high yeah especially given that that's the second half of his career not yes, even the second exactly. half. It's the last third of his career, actually. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like it's since 98, 99, and his average time on ice is 24, 34 per game. Like that, he is like legit top pairing defenseman who is out there all the time. Like, yeah. he gets power play time. He gets, you know, maybe even some penalty kill in there. Like, he's, he's out there and whenever you need him, basically, you know, one of those guys. Yeah, and you, you so it's it. I mean, sorry. Uh, it it does stand to reason that if they had tracked ice time since like '88, yeah. it would be significantly higher because, of mm -hmm. course, um, you know, in those last years. I mean, he a couple of those last years were uh really good years for him, but like, mm -hmm. um, not you know, not all of them. He was, I mean, he he was a essential part of the Canadians in the early 90s as well but so he, like, he was young then too right so he yeah. got drafted in 87 and then yeah. they won the cup in 93 yeah. so i'm gonna say he's about 23 maybe 24 he was in like an up-and-coming awesome defenseman and then he got traded two years later and yeah. then you know became like that stalwart when he was on the flyers 
Yeah. Um, but you could see the talent when he played for the Habs. Like just, you know, he had that sort of that poise to be like a big moment defenseman. Uh, I was watching clips the other day because we were going to talk about Desjardins. I mean, uh, it, I'm, I'm one of the few people who still holds a, a lot of people, I guess, hold a soft spot, but I still like Bob Cole's announcing ability. Yeah. Um, when he was in his prime before he sort of uh, just became a caricature of himself. Um, yeah. And he's the one who's, you know, and he's just like, you know, Desjardins. I remember like this, like this massive goal. But right before that, Desjardins comes in and I watched that old clip, right? I hadn't seen it in years. Yeah. And Desjardins comes in right because he, he scores the goal and I always just yelled at Kelly Rudy. I'm like, do you not know how to close the pads? And I was kind of upset that he let that one in. Cause it just seemed like such a weak goal, but the one right before that Desjardins came in and somebody fed him and he rips it over the top of the net, but he was, it almost looked like the way defensemen play now and that yeah. he jumped into the, like it was a three on two and he jumped in and he was wide open and it would have been, you know, a howitzer top corner, but he missed the net yeah. and then it comes back out to him and then he just wrists it in and Kelly Rudy doesn't know what to do. This is the final, right? Yeah, yeah, in the final, and that was the hat trick goal in overtime. Yeah, that, yeah. Like he yeah. already scored two, you know, so never been replicated. Yeah. Um, you like to talk about drafts. Yes. So I do. Uh, I enjoy drafts. Um, I'm just pulling it up because I didn't have it open. Um, he was he was drafted 38th overall, which I believe was second round back then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, Even uh, but he, him, yeah, yeah, no, I just couldn't remember. Cause like the rounds were like sh- different lengths in the past. Yeah, right. Were, yeah, it was like um, though it was back then and the first round only ended at like 21, which is, oh, I guess. Cause that was the number of teams. Duh. Yeah. Um, so he's drafted like, so that would have been, you know, that's, that's more equivalent actually 38th back then is, is almost is the end of the, um, yeah. is, is almost the end of the second round back then. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was fairly way down there, but he ended up being um, one of the, uh, by offensive metrics, one of the top 10 players in his draft class. And oh, yeah. if you do it's, by it's plus minus, right. he's the second best player in the draft class. So I, I think he might be the best defenseman that was drafted in that year. There's some there's some outstanding offensive players. Um, Turgeon was number, that was the Turgeon draft, Turgeon number one, well, and then Shanahan. Yeah. Uh, Joe Sackick at 15, of course. Uh, Probably the best player in the draft. If yeah, you know. Shanahan might have an argument, but I'm, I'd still take Joe Sakic. I'd take um, Sakic. Yeah, yeah. And then you get down into like I think after that it's you know uh, and you know what's re- you know what's kind of interesting too is what? that John Leclerc is the same draft. He's number thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah, and they were traded were... together for Mark Recchi, which we'll get to yeah. later. You know the yeah. infamous trade that take took them both out of Montreal. But John Leclerc and Eric Desjardins from the Montreal Canadiens were taken 33rd and 38th. Yeah, so the Montreal must have got one of those picks. Um, yeah. I should I should look it up on pro hockey uh, or mm-hmm. professional sports transactions and see what the hell happened there. Because one the way, of those that picks was a great was number... draft for them too. Because uh, number 44, they took Matthew Schneider. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's three like key guys on that Cup winning team. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's crazy. That's very impressive. Um, so the other defenseman who would qualify, you mentioned Schneider, um, as potentially, you know, uh, we have Glenn Wesley, um, Luke Richardson, which I think you can, you know, (laughs) 
pass on, but he played a ton, right? Yeah. And then uh, Stefan Kintal, and that's about it in terms of the defense. Oh, Marchman, Brian Marchman. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah so I'd say Desjardins out of that group is probably. Sorry? Yeah. What's that? Oh, I just said Desjardins out of that group is probably. He's one or two. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Depends how you feel about Schneider, I guess. I don't know. I I I, I still value Desjardins over Schneider, even yeah, though yeah, I yeah. think Schneider's a fine defenseman. But Yeah. And, like, you know, the thing about Wesley, right, is we talked about him on that other episode, but Wesley's like when Wesley was playing with Bork, he, he had some points. And the moment he stopped playing with Bork, he basically stopped scoring. Exactly. So, um, whereas Desjardins, to the extent that he scored, did it regardless of where he was. Yes. Um, so, uh, of the, so we always, we always talk about the era and of the 19 defensemen to play in at least a thousand games between 88 and 2006, um, he is roughly a top 10 offensive defenseman, um, despite the fact he was only 0.5 per game. But we are talking about, you know, much of that career played in the Buck era. And then he's, uh, by defensive point shares, he's a top five. Um, by point shares, he's top seven. So, you know, um, and the yeah. other thing I wanted to mention is on that list, if you, if you sort those defensemen by hockey's point share metric, he's seventh. But every player above him is in the Hall of Fame currently. Okay, so he's right so, on the edge there for sure. At least, yeah. If if you want to believe that everyone above him belongs in the Hall of Fame, which is another story, um, <laughs> because Phil Housley is there. Um, yeah. We talked about it in the past, though. But uh, then, like, there is some precedent you could say for like, well, those six guys are. Now, I'm not saying like just because the six people ahead of somebody on any list are in the Hall of Fame, the seventh person should be in. But you know, there's, there's a he's in good company, is what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah, uh, I mean, it's this is a guy who, despite the fact that I was in, in the same time zone as where he played his entire career, I I feel like I didn't see him as much as I should have until like the flyers but i guess that's because i wasn't really watching hockey when he was when he got traded because i stopped watching hockey for a while yeah but, well i mean except for the 93 halves like he wasn't that big of a deal in montreal mm -hmm. i mean his name is eric desjardins and he played in montreal of course he's a big deal but like yeah i i didn't realize how great he was until he went to the Flyers, and I'm like, man, they should not have traded that guy. He's great yeah. in Philly. And yeah. I, I think Montreal had him and Schneider and uh, Robinson retired by then, but like they, they had a lot of good, solid defensemen for many years. And when he left, it left a big hole in Montreal. Yeah. But in Philly, you realize you're like, oh, I guess you know, he, he was the guy in Montreal and like now he really stands out in Philly because they don't have a Schneider. They don't have, uh, you know, some of those other guys that they had playing. Uh, Old uh, line was the name I was looking for. Oh yeah. Um, Lyle Oldline, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, once, once uh, Desjardins left, you're like, Oh, even without those guys, he's pretty awesome. 
he he sort of drove Philly. And it helped, I think, that he had a bit of an offensive mind without sacrificing his defense. Yeah. Um, that he was able to play for, you know, a Bobby Clark run organization. <laughs> and yeah. to fill to to fit in super well with Leclerc Lindros and you know. Well, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys who like he didn't score a lot, but he scored enough. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. he like the you know, there's there's lots of guys who are comparable at, at like point five points per game. But like mm-hmm. um you know, obviously like someone like Blake, who we're gonna talk about shortly, scored more uh yeah. in in an average game um than uh um than Desjardins did. But like I don't know, he, he definitely um it's not like he never scored. I mean, his 82 game average is, is 56 points in an 82 game season, which is not bad, uh, especially yeah. given the era he played in. Oh, sorry. That's his peak. I'm sorry. It's actually 41 points. Uh, it was his peak was 56, which makes more sense. Um, but that was at the, you know, that was the height of the, the clutch uh, and grab. Yeah. The clutch and grab. And, um, and that's 16, that, that includes 16 goals as well. So, I mean, he had the, he yeah. had a big shot. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, during his peak years, too, 26, 27 of uh, time on ice. Yeah, he was playing a lot. He was pretty important for those Flyers teams, and they were always very good. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember that. I remember watching him and, and, like, thinking he was on the ice a lot and stuff. But, like, I'm not sure if I remember him being on the ice that much. Like, I was when I calculated that, I was like, oh, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> he was... Uh-huh. Like he was the Flyers, like that era of Flyers, and they were very good. No, he, he was, was their number one. Yeah. Their number one defenseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that, yeah, it's it's something that like, as we'll get to in a minute, we talked about many times. It's something like where the fact that the guy maybe doesn't get have as much of the like typical, um, you know, hardware. It's 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 harder and harder the further we get away from his career to remember, you know, how good he was because like I know even even in twenty eighteen I'm sometimes I struggle a little bit with remembering. I remember liking him as a player, but I don't remember it's not like when we talked about like Zubov, who I remember being like wowed by, you know? Yeah. Um or or somebody like that. Whereas like with Desjardins, I was like, oh yeah, Desjardins. He was he was pretty good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh wait, he was the he was the Flyers' number one defenseman. Oh right, when they were when they were pretty good. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and that just I I forgot. You know, like it's it's funny. Like his uh, speaking of uh, of his role. You know, he um, we only have his ice time in the playoffs since ninety eight ninety nine. Like for everything, but like in the playoffs, he was averaging. Uh, more than that slightly more than that almost 27 minutes a game and that's for the last third of his career or so so um he was important and uh and i think it's easy because he didn't win a norris and i'm not saying he deserved to but because he didn't win a norris it's easy to forget you know that he was that important um i know i sort of did Um, should we, we should talk about the trade, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know why the Habs made that trade. Um, it, it, basically it, that was, I think that trade was sort of the death knell for that 93 team where like the Habs yeah. were still good. 
after that, they were just a team of like basically three third lines and uh, with like one good player, and they were they were just oh man, they really fell apart after that. Well, of course, they traded Patrick Roy too, so <laughs> that didn't help. Um, yeah, yeah, like, I think that's a huge part of that. That's gonna hurt. But yeah, John Leclerc, who was you know a burgeoning power forward, had helped them win that cup in '93. Like he was. He was involved in a lot of key goals. Actually, one of Desjardins' goals, they actually thought Leclerc tipped it until they saw that he didn't. But, like, he was the guy in front providing the screen, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, he came out of the University of Vermont, uh, you know, drafted in the second round along with Desjardins. And then right after that, they had Matthew Schneider. Like, those three guys were key on those teams. Like, what a draft they had in 87. Yeah, they had a great draft, um, yeah. And then um, – uh Gilbert Dion. Yeah. Yeah. Younger brother of the famous Marcel. Um and scored a few gigantic goals for the Habs again in that ninety-three uh run. And then didn't do much after him. People thought he was gonna be a superstar because he kept scoring all these playoff goals, but you're like, he's just kind of a guy. Um but ironically he's the <laughs> actually kind of sadly, he's the only one in the Dion family <laughs> with a cup ring because Marcel never won the cup. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, like really like I, I scored this many goals and like I'm in the Hall of Fame. I didn't win the cup, but you did because you had one great playoff run. Like, yep, it's pretty funny. That works kind of. So I figured um, out about that draft again. Sorry, I yeah. figured out where that pick came from. So the the Desjardins pick was theirs. Yeah. And and the uh, the Leclerc flick was not. It was traded from the Blues. So. Or. Um. So the the Habs got the second round pick in '87 and a fifth round pick in '88, which they used on Peter Popovic. Um, Ooh, I remember Peter Popovic. He yeah. was all right. And the and the Blues got back a third round pick in '87, which they used on Robert Nordmark, and a second mm-hmm. round pick in '88, Wade Bartley. So uh, Habs won that, but. You oh, know, did they ever? Yeah. Who could have known that? Who would have drafted? You know who? Like non NHLers for John Leclerc, who ended up being well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. would St. Louis have drafted Leclerc? Maybe not, but I mean, yeah, still. you don't know. You know. And then the Schneider pick they also got, which makes sense. They also got a deal. They got that from the uh, the Devils. They traded someone named David Maley to the Devils for it. Wow. Yeah. Man, so, they did well. Yeah, they did Maybe. very well. They used to be. Very I love smart. this website. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, and then I mean that trade. It's I think it just sort of spoke to the fact that people were there was this like desire in Montreal for them to always win the cup, and the NHL was changing to an era where if you win one cup in a decade, you're pretty great. Yeah, yeah. And I think like Montrealers didn't understand that, and I still think they still don't understand that that you can't just always be the best anymore because it's not a six, twelve, twenty-one team league; it's a thirty, you know, thirty-one, thirty-two team league. Yeah, um, yeah. Very shortly, if you win it once a decade, you're phenomenally good because that means you're in the top third of the league because there's yeah. only one trophy to go around. Um, but the people in Montreal have been spoiled with the history that the team has had. And, yeah. you know, the Yankees sort of had like the same sort of thing as the Habs and then went, oh, we can just spend to win it. Oh, let's do that then. Yeah. Um, 
people say that too, but that like Yankees team that won like those World Series in the mid nineties, they had drafted all of those players. They actually just went back to grassroots and said, Hey, we used to draft the best players, let's do that again. And sort of worked from the bottom. The Habs sort of need to do that, but they're I think they're I think they're sort of making their way there, but boy, they've they've they had a good thing going where I thought they were on their way back, and I'm like, ooh, you guys screwed that up pretty hard. I think um, their GM is pretty horrible. Yes. Yeah, I I don't agree with anything he's done, but um, but I think a big part of the reason that those players were moved was just the general impatience of the Montreal market to wait. Yeah. So here's the really funny thing, and it's or to it's or to accept a, a team that's in the middle of the road, they just didn't do that. Yeah. Wasn't a thing. So like this is just to go to show you to sort of show everyone who's listening to illustrate Bill's point a little bit about um the like thought process that makes these decisions happen in, in Montreal. So they trade, you know, Desjardins, who we already know is either the best defenseman or second best defenseman on Montreal, depending on how you think about it. There is Gilbert Dion, who is, you know, not Marcel, but like you said, had an important role in that cup run. Um, definitely they, in, in his case, you would have thought they were selling high, but cause yeah. he didn't have much of a rest of a career, but, who knows? Um, the, the Habs apparently really wanted Mark Recchi. And and John LeClaire, who was still young, right? Well, he wasn't young. Yeah. He wasn't young, but he was not... He wasn't there yet, right? Like, he had had fairly... He's sort of doing that power forward thing that, like, a Bertuzzi, a Cam Neely, it's like, you're 24, you haven't done a thing yet, but, like, if you just wait for his man strength to kick in at that 27, 28 range, he will be unstoppable. And yeah, they just couldn't it, wait long enough. And then yeah. he team up it, that guy with like Lindros and you're like, Oh my God, how do we stop them? In their defense, he had a really bad, not bad. He didn't have a great start to the season. He got traded. In. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then dying for any sort of change at that point. Yeah. Right. Like they were just a mess. So, yeah. So they traded all that for, you know, Mark Racky, who was more of a star than any of these guys at the time. But the yeah. thing that's funny about it that I forgot, even though we talked about Mark Racky not that recently, is that four years later, minus one month, or plus four years later, plus a month, Montreal traded Racky back to the Flyers, which I, for some reason, thought was a free agency move, but it was a trade for yeah. Zubras. Danis Zubris. <laughs> a second round choice, Mac, Matt Karkner, and a sixth round choice, Scott Selig. So, like, if you go on the sum total of these two trades, Montreal traded Desjardins, Dion, and Leclerc for four seasons ish of Mark Recchi plus Danis Zubris. And, and Recky was basically useless when he was there because he didn't have the same. Recky's stats were always like, if you put him with good players, he'll put him up. Yeah. I don't know that he puts him up by himself, and that's what Montreal found out. Like, oh, we well, sort of fine don't in him. Montreal. Yeah. He was fine. He he scored almost a point per game in one of his three seasons. No, so so I mean that's it's okay. Like I'm not saying yeah. he's terrible, yeah. but like. Yeah. If you're training John Leclerc and Eric Desjardins for him, you should probably. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it's a bad it's a bad deal. It is, <laughs> especially given that they like eventually gave up and sent him back to the same team for Zubris, who is you know fine. 
Yeah. But like, sorry. was not Mark Recchi, was not Leclerc, it was not Dujardin. <laughs> yes, I know. In any that. way. The, the Habs are very poorly run at this point of their... Yeah. Uh... Like, that oh, That just, that, that hurts a little bit, looking at that. Oh, yeah. There's, I, I, I can't remember the Habs making a great trade. I, I think, actually, since those, like, like, I think in 20 years. I can't yeah. remember them making a great trade. Like, I don't remember yeah. one where I'm like, oh, yeah, Montreal totally fleeced those guys. It's like, no. Nope. Like, they're, they're, their scouting must be, like, screwed up or something. No, but they're, they're, well, no, but I mean, I think. Or they just make I these poor decisions because of the pressure. Bad because, maybe because of the pressure of the market. Yeah. Because they, they, they've been drafting some very good players. I mean, they uh, I thought they should have won a cup if they would have kept um, McDonough. Because they drafted McDonough, Subban, and Pacioretty in the same yeah. draft. Like, they basically yeah. had one of those, like, cup-winning drafts. And then they ended yeah. up trading all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting rid of all of them within a decade. And you're just like, yeah. those three guys, like, out of one it's, draft, you probably should have won a cup. That is almost yeah. Islanders-esque. It is. It re- it's like really, it's almost. You're in borderline uh, Milbury territory there when you trade yeah. everybody from a draft and they're all good. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if McDonough and Subban had been your top pairing at some point, I think you win a cup because yeah. that is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but it never happened. It never yeah. happened because they are, they'd already traded McDonough. So, so, um, so Desjardins, he, he never won a Norris, as we know. But he did finish top five in Norris voting twice. Yeah. And in those years, he was also, as a, a consolation, given second team All-Stars twice, which is more than some of the guys we've talked about. Yeah. Which is interesting. I feel like Zuboff had like one second team his entire career. Yeah. It's a um, weird voting thing. I, I almost don't just trust any of Well, I, I feel like, you know, the one thing... So, you and I have talked about East Coast bias. Yes on this before and you know i i I googled it the other day wondering has anyone done anything on this and then you know it's sort of assumed people sort of just assumed it existed and then i found this reddit thread where like all these like i'm smarter than you are hockey nerds were saying like it totally doesn't exist and you know what their basis for it was they're from the east coast (laughs) no well probably but like uh at the time the thread was posted the last two norris winners had been um in the pacific time zone and so they were like, well, clearly there's an East Coast bias. So I uh, I did a little, I wasn't <laughs> even going to bring it up, but yeah. I just did a quick little um, survey. And now you got to like take this with a grain of salt here because I didn't adjust for like the number of teams in the league, right? So I didn't figure out number of teams in each time zone. We know there are more teams in the Eastern time zone than oh, anything yeah. else. So it isn't as bad as it sounds, but since 1968, the percentage of uh, Hart Trophy winners from the Eastern Conference, or sorry, Eastern Time Zone, 61%. Yeah, that's probably reasonably. I'm sure, like close to 60% of the teams are. Oh yeah, it's got it's got to be fairly close. That seems okay. Yeah. The Selkie, 77%. Okay, a little high. The Norris, 80%. <laughs> and the best one, the Vesna. Since since they switched it over from the, from when it used to be the Jennings to the actual proper Vesna, yeah. it's eighty six percent of the time is Eastern Conference or sorry Eastern Time Zone. 
So I think without doing further research, which I will do at some point, that suggests that there is a slight East Coast bias. Yes. So perhaps Jordan was lucky enough to get to second team All-Stars is because people actually were watching him play. Yeah. Whereas some other people hockey is always trash. Like now Blake, Blake totally throws a wrench in this when we get to him because he of course won a Norris and you know had some well I don't yeah, he had a few all star uh he had a bunch of all star stuff. But he was also on like a very prominent hockey team at one point. So um yeah, but otherwise uh Desjardins doesn't have a lot of like you know, he basically he's got his Norris two top five Norris voting uh finishes two second team all-stars three all-star game appearances which we talked about don't count for much and then by hockey reference he was a top five defenseman three times so you know that's pretty good that's fine um but there's not a lot of like accomplishments to really well except for that you know except for him winning the key game of that so sorry yeah, I meant like regular season. Yeah. Like, because I think if there's a case to be made for him, that case comes with the playoffs. Yes, I would I would agree. Yeah. And that case is what you just said, Bill, where he was, um, we don't know because they didn't track ice time, but our best guess was he was the best defenseman on the, uh, on the, the cup winning uh, Habs. And also uh, on a, uh, on the Flyers team in 95 that went to the final, uh, to the conference finals. He was also, um, I was looking at, I was trying to figure it out in 2000 when, when that Flyers team that I remember well, for some reason, um, went to the conference finals as well. He was arguably the best player. Um, I'll, I'll here, let me tell you what the, uh, the case it's it's between him and Recky and whoever their goalie was. Boucher, was it was that a Boucher year? Could have been a Boucher. It feels like a Boucher year. You never know um, with the Flyers. It could be like yeah, he came back so many times. <laughs> trying to figure out what like off the top of your head, trying to figure out who was the goaltender for the Flyers in like the two thousands is like impossible. It's all right. Hold on a second. I'm gonna look it up at, right now. At various points, you just guess Hextall just in case. So. um what is this oh what <sighs> stupid website sorry give me a give me a minute um okay, that's all right i uh i went to go click on it and you know something when pages are loading sometimes they jump on you i clicked on the wrong team i suddenly on the 92 halves i don't want to be here stuff, uh, i'll run through some of his stuff at the bottom here so he's a top 4d by points on one uh, canada cup champion in 91 canada cup and um one World Cup runner-up, the 96 Canada, the infamous uh, 96 World Cup. Um, and World Juniors, he was a top 2D potentially, uh, at least by points, on one World uh, Junior Champion, the 1988 Canada. Um, yeah. And he was so he was like, you know. On the 89 Canadians as a rookie, yeah. even though he only played one-third of the games. On that runner-up, yeah, he scored a lot that year yeah. for the fact that he didn't play a lot. Yeah, that's a, the, the, basically he was there. Like, you're young, get in there, provide us with some offense, let's go. Um, yeah, and that was a great team, by the way. I think that 100, 
116 points, 114 points. They were like a really good team back then. Um, if yeah. they hadn't run into Calgary, they would have won the cup, but they ran into Calgary. So, all right. So, 2000 Flyers, they went to the conference finals where they yep. lost to uh, the Devils. Um, so, Mark Recchi, 18 points in 18 games, six goals, 12 assists. Eric Desjardins, two goals, 10 assists for 12 points. Um, so, Desjardins was fourth on the team in, uh, in scoring. But played 28 minutes a game. Um, so 504 total minutes. Recky played 417 total minutes. So Recky still played a lot for a forward, but like there's only a six point difference in there. And Deja and I was on the ice significantly more. And then Boucher, a 917 save percentage, which is not great. Uh, though back then it was probably pretty decent. In, no, no, in 2000 it wasn't good. No, that's not good. But his, his GAA was uh, two. So, um, which was apparently good enough for at least a few rounds. So I'd say it's between Recky and Leclerc, uh, sorry, Recky and Desjardins, who the best player on that team was. Uh, but I think you could make a case that it was Desjardins that year. So I just, I just bring it up being like, there was at least one year that you could claim he was the best player on a, a good playoff team. Was that the year that, um, that Scott Stevens destroyed Lindros's face? I think so. Oh boy! Yeah, no, so the, be- the best player would have been Lindros if he wasn't concussed, yeah, yeah. and then came back and got reconcussed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was it his first game back? No, it wasn't his first game back, but it was one of the first games back. It okay, too long. Anyway, like yeah, yeah, that could have been the year. I don't remember, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I think we should probably look that up. But yeah, I mean, though both those guys, they may, or was that the Keith Primo year where like. Where Primo was really, really good? Yeah, I think that was later. That was like 2003. Yeah, maybe. Primo was pretty good that year, but I don't think it was as good as that one year where they was really. Yeah, so you're right. It is. Uh, Stevens Lindros is that serious. Yeah. 2000 Devils Flyers. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, so that was the year that like they basically had the, they had the Devils right on the ropes, and then Lindros got destroyed, and they were like, nope, that's it. Um, we We disagree. <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway uh so yeah he he was clearly an important player when you look at like oh yeah his playoffs uh you know he he only won the one cup but he was he was probably without having ice time we can assume he was the best defenseman on it and uh you know his best defenseman or best player on some other uh conference final teams and and uh yeah, and then like you you pointed out, Bill, he also was one of the top defensemen on some World Cup teams. So, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know that he has a case, but I feel like he's definitely like, depending on your interpretation of the hall, I think you could make a case that he goes in. Um, I, 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 I would I, say based on who's in, he definitely has a case. Yeah, I would say based on who I think should be in the hall of fame then i would say probably no um he'd be he'd be close uh he'd be i I would think about it but i don't think he'd get in yeah um but you know my hall and what the actual hall is are two very different things and i think that if a guy like phil housley's in i think you got to take a look at a guy like eric digger at least give him a look right like yeah which is what we're doing yeah 
Um, yeah, I, for me, it's a no, but yeah. uh, be, partly because I would like to, like, going forward only induct people, I think, <laughs> deserve it. Um, but, you know, I think it's good to talk about him, and I think he's he's close. And I think had he um, maybe either scored a bit more or been on a few more, mm-hmm. um, you know, really good teams or something, then maybe it would be clearer to me that he does. Um and like you, I think there's probably defensemen that we can find in there who um, who are in there, and you're like, uh, "Why are you in the hall?" Yeah. Um, For me, what it is, if if he had made a couple more like Team Canada's, yeah, like was at the end of his career, you know, because they were taking all veterans at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like the the late the 90s, team. early 2000s. If he had made a couple more of those Team Canada's, been on. Uh, Maybe the Salt Lake City team. I'd be like, yeah, it is that good. And it's weird that he wasn't on yeah, that team, eh? Really weird. I know. Like, I feel like because he probably thought he was going to make it. I mean, he was he was good. He was yeah. really really good. Like, we're not sh- we're not shitting on Desjardins at all here. Like, he's he's. I mean, I, let's put it this way: if he were in the hall, I would not be upset that he were in the hall. Yeah. But I'm also not going to stand on a soapbox and say that he should definitely be in, you know? So, All right. So, Blake. He's a Phil Housley again. Like it's, so, here, yeah. here's here's the, like, here, here are the defensemen, and, and we can criticize them briefly. So, Blake, who we're about to talk about, he's a good yeah. segue. I should have said him last. Uh, Eric Brewer, oh, who I think you, we can both probably say Desjardins might have been a better choice. I so I don't remember did. Brewer having a bad tournament by any means, but no, but um, I think it was because he was the partner of somebody, right? Yeah. So Adam Foot, uh-huh. Ed Jovanovsky, yeah, Al McInnes, Pronger, and that's it. I, you know what? I think I would have taken Desjardins over uh, Jovo and Brewer, and yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's you really wonder. Cool. You know what? It might have been that whole left-right thing again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Eric Eric Brewer was fine, but, like... Yeah, he was fine, and everybody thought he was going to be so much better than he ended up being. But he was already... How old was he in 2002? He was, uh... What, 26, 28? Actually, you know what? He was, he was, uh, he was 23. There you go. So they thought... They wanted that, like, young, you're going to be awesome. Yeah. Defense. He just never turned out to be whatever yeah. they thought yeah. he would be. Yeah. Um, but he was good for a young guy. And yeah. You know and what? You know I what? Him being a lefty, I'm pretty sure he's a lefty, so. Surrounded by those guys, he was probably, like, my memory of, of those games now is I only remember the final. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't really remember the other games anymore. Yeah. Partly because I, mean, I was so damn relieved. Well, <laughs> But um, I uh, you know, I think surrounded by those players, Brewer is probably fine. Yeah, well, I, I not think too many you, people uh, are going to make major mistakes on the on that 2002 team. They were stacked. They were they were so stacked, and the thing was too, they didn't even have to play anybody going up to the final. It was just the Americans, right? So, remember, remember, like Lindros was like the center of the fourth line or something. Oh yeah, because yeah, it was ridiculous. Like it was just yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm with you. I think uh, Desjardins probably should have been on that team, and Hattie, we'd probably think very differently about him. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's, 
I think he's one of those cases where I'm I I'm okay with him not being in, but I also wouldn't bat an eye with him being in based on who's already in the hall. If it were my personal Hall of Fame, he wouldn't be in. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of guys who are in would not. So I think like if a guy like Phil Housley, where I, I, he just I'm not picking on Phil Housley, just his name keeps coming up. If Phil Housley's in, I think Desjardins probably uh, he sh- he should get at least a few votes. He should get some really strong consideration. And unfortunately, since we don't do the baseball writer thing and publish yeah. everyone's votes and how close they were, eh, we don't know if he's ever going to get in. Like we'll yeah. never know. Yeah. You know what? I bet you he'll be one of those like, ah, it's how long has it been? Yeah, it's a down year. Here he goes. He's in. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, yeah. they do do that sometimes. You know what? I'd be happy for him because he, you know, he's. He was a clean player his whole career. He played tough. He could score points. He could basically do everything, but he, he was never a dirty guy. Yeah. Well, my kid, a guy like that goes into the hall. I'm not that, I'm not that upset about it. Yeah. All right. I don't remember him ever concussing anybody. That's true. So speaking of the 2002 <laughs> gold medal winning <laughs> uh, Canadian Olympic team, uh-huh. we have Rob Blake, yeah. uh, who Rob Blake. played from slightly, slightly – Mostly their careers overlap. So Blake came in a year later. So he played 89 to 2010. So he played longer, 20 seasons, 14 quality by DPS, which is defensive point shares. And, you know, we've talked about it. They're problematic. Um, he scored significantly more than uh, Desjardins. 240 goals, 537 assists, 777 points in 1,270 games. It's worth pointing out that he is 10th all-time in goals 22nd all-time in assists and 18th all-time in points for a defenseman in NHL history. So that would immediately suggest that he's got a pretty good case. He's also 21st all-time in point shares for a defenseman. And he's 13th all-time in goals per game and 18th all-time points per game for a defenseman. So he's, you know, one of the top 20 offensive defensemen in the history of the NHL. Um, Ish, right? Roughly. Uh, Yeah, so uh, maybe even higher than that. So, I mean, like, right on that in and of itself makes a a, a decent case, I think, yeah. for his him being. And then, of course, he's been inducted, what was it, five years ago, four years ago, something like that, I think. Uh, 2014? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so his draft, um, he was somehow drafted 70th, which wow. I don't know. I mean, I was not paying any attention to the NHL when I was – I, mean, was, I don't think anybody did in those days. Like, <laughs> some, like six people. But it's funny because it's like, yeah. So if you like, it's the same draft that Recky was drafted in the fourth round as well. Like, there. Okay, get this. There are three players from the fourth round in the 1988 draft who played over a thousand games. Wow. They like really fucked up that year. Well, Recky, Amonti, right? and Blake. Oh no! Sorry, and Keith Carney, four players, four players. Well, That's I mean, Rob crazy. Blake came out of Bowling Green, like from the yeah, NCAA. Oh, so yeah. Back in those days, you didn't draft NCAA players. Like it That's true. Yeah. But I, like, I'm not even kidding. I'm looking at the first round right now. There's 21 teams. Yeah. And I will literally read out to the leagues right now: WHL, 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 yeah. OHL, QMJHL, OHL, QMJHL, Massachusetts. Jeremy Roenick, by the way. Yeah. Saskatchewan, which was Rod, Rob Brindamore, the SM Liga, Timo Solani, 
OHL, OHL, WHL, QMJHL, QMJHL, WHL, WHL, OHL, QMJHL, QMJHL, CCHA, Michigan State University, Jason Mazzotti was the only college player, yeah. except for uh, Timo Solani, the only non-Canadian taken in his first 21 picks. Like, oh, it just Ronick, Ronick. Oh, sorry, uh, Ronick as well. Yeah, yeah so. Um, but still. I know, it's still three out of 21, right? And but also, like, just to add to that, just to see how, like, wrong they got it this year. So or that year, so they did really well in the first like ten players, right? And, and they didn't call it NCAA back then. It was like Hockey East. Uh, they needed, yeah, yeah. but I mean, still, that's the, ridiculous. Yeah, the teams did pretty well in the first ten players, right? Of those ten players, all but three of them played in at least a thousand games. So yeah. good, right? But then you get to the second round, and there's Tidomi is the only player who played in a thousand games. You get to the third round, nobody. And then suddenly you get to the fourth round and there's four guys. Wow. I, I just it's just funny. I've never looked at this before like like this. It's just funny. Like there are these like clearly they hadn't quite figured I know I know drafting's a lottery and you know, you never know. It's impossible to really predict exactly what will happen, but it just seems funny that they that there were four guys who were good enough to play in the NHL for that long, all but one of whom have at least some kind of case. I, I mean, Amani's case of being in the hall is really poor, but still, it's something. Um, you know you know what makes me think? It's that a lot of teams thought, hey, I'm going to be able to get this guy in the third round. Yeah. Because Recky, Amonti, and uh, Rob Blake went within four picks of each other, like yeah. 67, 68, and 70. Yeah. So people must have just been sitting on those American players, like, we know these guys are going to come through. So, like, Amonti's from uh, Massachusetts and uh, yeah. Blake's from Bowling Green. And then Recky's from the Kamloop Blazers, and apparently nobody picked him. So, I don't know what that was. Maybe it's because he was smaller, but, like. Yeah. Well, I think that was a, it was a size thing with Recky, for sure. And then, by the way, Joey Juno goes in that round, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's just. He was a heck of a player at the beginning of his career. Yeah. It's really, it's just really, really funny to look at it and see all these guys. Yeah, very bizarre. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. uh, Blake ended up being, you know, one of the better players from that draft. I know you're surprised by that. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that he was a defenseman, he is a top 10 offensive player from that draft. Uh, 11th in goals, seventh in assists, ninth in points. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the only thing about it, the reason why he's not one of the very best players from that draft is because it was a good draft and, yeah because a couple guys played really, really long. Rick, Recky, we talked about before, played forever. And Madano played almost, you know, Madano and Brendan Moore and Solani all played a really long time too. And then so did Lyndon and Ronick. So um, so it's, it's, it's just because Blake played less than those guys that he is like the less impressive numbers. Um, yeah. But he's still, I mean, it was a good draft here, despite the fact that some of the best players came from the fourth round. It was... Uh, they, you know, there were a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of Hall of Famers in it, like five, four. And then there's, you know, guys who are like definitely, I mean, we've already talked about a bunch of them, right? We've talked about Recky, we've talked about Solani, we've talked about Madano, we've talked about Brenda Moore. Yep. We're, we're talking about Blake. We're going to talk about Ronick and McGilney shortly. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get around to Amani and Lyndon, but like, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a, 
a bunch of like yeah that's a that's a good year uh that many either hall of famers or borderline hall of famers Uh, um i also say about the 88 drafter no i think we're good bill i said i think i'm good oh okay i i didn't hear you i don't know why i know it's weird eh? yeah technical difficulties i guess um so uh as we said blake was a uh offensive defenseman and of is so he played for a long time he played you know what did i say 1270 games so uh, only nine defensemen played 1250 games in the period he did and he is uh far and well he was the leader in goals and uh you know, second in points. So he's basically aside. I I think second in points. I assumed the Lidstrom over that period, but I yeah. don't remember. Um, true, yeah. But yeah, yeah, like the premier, essentially the premier offensive, one of the two premier offensive defensemen of his era. Um, and there's you know his he scored fifty points a season. At his peak, he was scoring sixty five points a season. So especially given that that was in the same era that, you know, Dejanet was putting up. 10 points less of the season. He was, you know, he was scoring a lot and playing a ton too. Uh, Blake was playing 28 minutes a night. That's yeah. At his peak there, 28 minutes a game. And yeah. what I think what I'd like to point out about Blake, because my, my memories of Blake were just, he was always on the ice Yeah, and he would score so many goals for a defenseman. Like if you let him shoot, he would almost always either score or hit the post. It would, barely go over the net or somebody would tip it wide he was just one of those guys with a big big shot and he could yeah. hit. he could really really hit um which wouldn't come through in the stats necessarily but he was he was sort of like a way way better Dion Phaneuf um <laughs> and that's kind of shitting on Phaneuf because when he first came in he was great and then he just yeah. off right but uh Blake was like a you know, in his, his 82 game average of his three year peak is 20 goals. Yeah. Like that's, that's like McKinnis, Blake, Weber in terms well, of. Well, it's also the, the era he did, it, right? For a defenseman is ridiculous. That is. Yeah. And, and he was doing it in an era where a lot of it in an era where it was hard to do that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It wasn't like a wide open era where he'd be, uh, you know, on a two on one and score a goal. It's like, it came from the point because he had a big hard shot and he had to find a way to get it through. Yeah. You know, if his 82 game average is 16 goals, I mean, he is a goal scoring defenseman and that, yeah. And man, it's hard to do that. Like just, it just almost doesn't happen that a defenseman comes close to 20 goals a season. Like it's very yeah. rare. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is. In fact, when uh, Burns did it a couple of years ago, it was the first time it happened in years, I think. Uh-huh. Well, since Weber had done it last, whenever that was. Yeah, because he had the big, he was the power play blast where just like you can't even yeah. stop from going to kill you. <laughs> so I, I forgot to write the trade details in here, but I I pulled up the page so I can tell you what the trade the trade was if you. I'm interested. If you're ready for it. I'm ready. So, uh, in February 21st, 2000, Blake was traded to Colorado, uh, with Ryan Precht. Um, for the following Adam Deadmarsh, Aaron Miller, uh, a player to be named later who became Jared Allen, who I don't remember, uh, Dave Steckel, 
who we talked about recently for some reason, <laughs> and Brian Boyle. Uh, the picks for Steckle and Brian Boyle, of course. But wow. uh, so a lot, a lot of pieces. Yeah. Um, Dead Marsh, of course, was his career was derailed by injury. It was, yeah, because of concussions, because he lost that fight against Dobonovsky where he just knocked him immediately out. Um, yeah. So Dead Marsh would have been the big part that LA was getting good back. Good defenseman. Like they ended up being good players for LA, but not Rob Blake good. Well, yeah, and, and Dead Marsh, like, I mean, he, I don't know, he had like one good year in LA, I think, before his, like, he basically, yeah, one good year in LA before he, he basically was like essentially done. Yeah. So they, I mean, you could have known that when you made the trade. No. But, okay. uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously Colorado won it, but like part of that was, uh, out of everyone's hands. He just, he just got, uh, the, the piece they, th- the biggest piece they thought they were getting back was, um, you know, he he was hurt, but I uh, I mean it's in, I don't remember why the trade was made. It does feel still like you said you're not getting like it does feel like cents on the dollar a little bit, like lots of cents on the dollar. <laughs> but you know because like Steve Reinpecht was a serviceable player for the Abs for a long time, so the the Abs get like their new number one defenseman and. Uh, what was he a fourth line center or third line center Yeah. for like giving up their like one of their second line players. And yeah. I, you remember Aaron Miller. I don't really. Um, I remember Aaron Miller. He was, he was a like sort of that rock solid number three, number four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the top four, yeah, he, he was yeah. playing top four minutes in LA when he first got there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, it wasn't a ter- it wasn't the worst trade ever, but it definitely worked out better for Colorado than it did for, Felt like a LA. deadline deal, you know. Yeah, well, it was. Yeah, it was made. Uh, it must have been. Um, uh, Blake must have been. Uh, his contract must have been coming up soon, or something. Or something, because like, or or LA just didn't want to pay him anymore, because it was made in February, and it was the year that the Owls went on to. That year, yeah, it was that year that the Owls went on to. Win so anyway, interesting. Um, you know, they no one could have known that Dead Marsh was going to get career ended very shortly. So, uh, he, um, Blake won the Norris and quite controversial, as I remember. He won it with a minus three, uh huh, on a team that, um, was uh not good um they were swept in the first round of the playoffs but more importantly they were 17th of 26 in goals against so i have a weird take on this mm-hmm. which is that i i i i don't know how you feel about that north shortly i think it's bullshit yeah however if you're a minus you have to be like your team must have been so bad and that you were the only guy keeping them even somewhat decent to win that trophy. Even then, you can't can't you find a better defenseman? You know, like but here's the thing. And and this may be controversial. I think he should have won it in two thousand two. Ah. So I'm okay with the fact that he won one, even though it's a piece of bullshit, because like I think he should have probably won it in two thousand two. 
uh that is my hot take on this subject yeah. um so I'm, like it's when he was with colorado not with la yeah yeah and like my uh like normally i get like really outraged when guys when when norris is when they shouldn't because like you know especially like people like randy carlisle because yeah. like I, I as we talked about many times i think it distorts the historical record but like in this case it was like they were making up for a a slight but like in the future like a future slight that they didn't know they were going to make it just worked out that way like it just i don't know i don't know why it worked out that way but it did like he 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 had he was among the very very best defensemen in 2002 by i think most um standards he finished in fourth fourth in uh tr- uh voting that year to uh to Lidstrom and, and uh uh, Bork and Stevens, um, and uh, you know, obviously, you can make a case every year for uh, Lidstrom. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm okay with Lidstrom winning that year. I think he he had a good year. Um, just looking at the numbers right now, it it's Bork's is weirder. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how you feel about this. I I am okay with the weird the fact that he won it when he should have because i think he deserved one in other years yeah you know what rob blake was uh was weird when i look back on his career because i remember watching like a lot of highlights but like that's what i remember and then i looked at some of his stats i'm like yeah like i don't remember being as much of a goal scorer so that kind of surprised me yeah and but his defensive stats weren't as good as i thought they were going to be and i'm like oh so maybe all those gigantic hits where he was ass checking somebody through the boards because Rob Blake always used to like turn his back on the really big hit so he wouldn't get a stick in the face yeah. would just kind of annihilate people and Subban kind of took that move too right like I'm gonna hit this guy this hard at the last second I'm gonna turn around so I'm not getting hit in the face and would just destroy people like he has some all-time hits and I remember that, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was great defensively. But yeah. in those days, a lot of being great defensively was stepping up on guys and just like trying to every once in a while just murder somebody so that people wouldn't think about cutting across the middle, making that play. Um, yeah. I, so I, think I think I had the wrong... Numbers, his defensive numbers disappointed me a bit, but his yeah. goal scoring numbers were so much higher than I remembered that I'm like, I think it's kind of a wash for me where I'm like, yeah, maybe he was way better offensively than I remember and not as good defensively as I remember. I had, I had the wrong, sorry, I had the wrong year for um, when I was looking at uh, Blake's, it makes more sense. I was like, how the hell did Bork get nominated for Norris that year? And he wasn't in the, I had the wrong year. So it was, uh, sorry that it was Lidstrom, Chelios and then Blake for the year. I think he should have won. And okay. I think Blake definitely had the better year certainly compared to Chelios. Um, anyway, uh, sorry to interrupt that, but yeah, <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I think Blake, Blake is like one of the reasons Blake is remembered better defensively than he maybe actually was is because of the Norris. Yeah. Also, he was, he was, uh, what did we say? He was uh, top five in Norris voting uh, seven times, including his win. So like, Oh, people, for whatever I said about the East Coast bias earlier, people clearly thought he was one of the best defensemen in the league for a long period of time. 
you know what? I I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, he was able to play in that sort of clutch and grab era, still produce offense and not be a complete liability defensively. Yeah. But I think a lot of people in that era, because of the Scott Stevens factor, maybe, um, equated being a great defenseman with occasionally destroying somebody's face and hitting yeah. as hard as humanly possible um, so that people would not, you know, like that intimidation defense, sort of like yeah. you come across my line, I might destroy you. I think that was a big part of it. And I think that Rob Blake did that well enough to sort of get a little bit of that sort of consideration of like you better and he was really good in front of the net he was good in front of the net too so like that sort of those hard to play areas he was good at that and he still scored goals and he still had good assist numbers so um, but the other thing is he did play a ton oh yeah he played it don't get me wrong i think he was a very important defenseman and i i don't really necessarily have an argument with him being in Uh, i think i'm okay with it um i wouldn't you know i wouldn't uh you know if he wasn't in i don't think i'd start a campaign being like he must be in but i, I don't think i have a problem with him being in yeah i mean i i'm i'm good with him in i i think there were players that probably should have been inducted first yep. uh, <clears throat> um <laughs> but uh i i uh i mean i'm fine like i said i think i think he i'm fine with like the the like Norris in 98 feels like a reverse mulligan to me. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, he was like, as we said before, he was like one of the two best offensive defensemen of his era, in addition to being responsible enough, you know? Um, and I don't know. I I'm, I'm fine. I think he belongs. And uh, we didn't even talk about his, uh, his playoff success actually, which was, no, but know, I mean, it's, Really I, I think we all know that he played on important teams pretty much throughout his career. Yeah, and he was the best defenseman on the 2001 Avalanche. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was... He was, uh, you know, either the best or second best on the on the runner-up the next year. Um, and, you know, he was a, also played for Canada a bunch of times. So, I don't know. I, I'm good with them being in. I, I think he has yeah. a strong case. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he was necessarily... Like, I don't th- I don't put him on the level of, like, Pronger or Lidstrom. Obviously, yeah. not Lidstrom. But, yeah. like, I do think that, you know, he's... Um, he's in the next tier down below Pronger. And that's fine with me putting guys like that yeah. in, I think. Um, I would say, like... He's, you know, and then Desjardins would be like another tier below that. So, yeah. Um, despite the fact that Desjardins was arguably more reliable in his own end, but he was also not the <laughs> offensive player than Blake was, right? So, yeah, no, he really wasn't. Yeah. And we, we tend to praise offense a little bit more than defense, unfortunately. So, yeah. Shall we mer- move on to uh, Herb Gardner? Yes, I believe we shall. Okay. Uh, so this is one of those old timers who played very little in the NHL. Um, he played for only three years at the tail end of his career, uh, after the WCHL folded. Um, but he was in those three years, he was, uh, when he was fairly old, I believe. Yes, he was fairly old. He would have been in his thirties. Um, he, uh, 
he managed to be a good player for those three seasons. And um, sorry, was he a point of game guy? Uh, no, but uh, I mean, <laughs> he was uh, he was good enough. I mean, I I roughly for defensemen, I always estimate by uh, defense point shares, and he was uh, yeah. quality in that way. Um, but um, you know, he didn't score a lot because by that point the NHL started to be a little less crazy. Like in the early years of the NHL, defensemen scored a ton, and then sort of like by the late twenties, it had, it really kind of dropped off. And so that's when he came in the league in 26. Um, and he was, a he was a star in the WCHL. Um, right. He, uh, he's on their leaderboards, some of their all-time leaderboards. I and mean, that we get, we're guessing, but he was, uh, and you know, it, it, relatively speaking of course uh this is the leagues are as we've talked about many times the leagues back then were were different from each other and they you know it's it's sort of hard to evaluate them one to the other but he was a good player on um a good team and uh he was an important part of that team and he scored relatively frequently for a defenseman in the wchl so but the the i my guess is the reason why he's in the hall of fame is because he won the heart trophy Yes, I would say so too, right? Yeah. So, as you might imagine, I have thoughts about that. <laughs> so, I, I, uh, one of my many goals in life is to eventually publish something either on, on our blog here or on my own website about uh, the history of the Hart Trophy and the number of times that they've awarded to weird candidates. Herb Gardner is in the weirdest but just to give you an idea, um, you know, he won 1927. He was arguably the best defenseman on the Canadians who were the best defensive team in the league, but were the second best team in the overall league. So he wasn't the best player on the best team. He was maybe the best player on the best defensive team, depending on how much of a role the goalie you put in that. Um but, you know, like Bill Cook won the Art Ross. He did not win the Hart. Um, Bill Cook and Dick Irvin were roughly equivalent in points per game. Uh, Bill Cook led the league in, or led all skaters in point shares. Uh, Eddie Shore, if you were to like, if you were to uh, give the MVP to the player whose removal from a playoff team would probably have made them miss the playoffs, that player would have been Eddie Shore, the best uh, the most important goalie in the league was a guy named Clint Benedict. Um, Herb Gardner was none of these people, but he was, you know, the, the Canadians uh, that year. I don't know off the top of my head how many goals they scored or anything like that, but they were, um, you know, he was he was their best defenseman. So I, I mean, it's one of those that you can look back and be like, yeah, maybe it's not like a outrageous one. Yeah. Um. But like the the weird thing about the heart and and sometimes the Norris as well is that it, like the the criteria seem to change year to year. So sometimes you like sometimes you give it to the best player on the best defensive team, and sometimes you give it to the best player on the best offensive team, and sometimes you give it to the guy who won the Art Ross, and sometimes you give it to Taylor Hall. And and like I don't know which of those interpretations is right, but they're different. <laughs> it's like at some point you got to wonder, like 
you know, it'd be nice if they like awarded um, it to relatively sim similar players from year to year to year. I don't know if yeah. you have feelings at all about this, but. No, you know what? I mean, in those days, um, I kind of feel like they must have just, they must have just taken guys and then like, how important was that guy to that team? How well did that team do relative to the rest of the league? Um, how much of a surprise were they? Like, I mean, you know, that's a team with Howie Moren scoring 25 goals. He's yeah. not their best player. It's Herb Gardner. Um, you know, they both played yeah. 44 games, but you know, old Herbie was, you know, apparently their best player. Like, I don't know, maybe he made the difference in a lot of their close games. Uh, maybe he, you know, the well, goalies the other thing... admittedly probably pretty crappy back then, even though they had George Hainsworth, who I also believe is in the hall of fame. Um, yep. sure is, you know, so maybe, you know, he blocked a ton of shots in close games and then realized like, man, that guy was the unsung hero of this season and they gave it to him you know like teams always have that sort of guy like oh that guy that nobody will recognize and montreal being sort of the um the center of the hockey mecca at that point was like well that guy, he was the most important player and that team shouldn't have made the playoffs let's give it to him you know like who knows um yeah i mean and we can't discount um we can't discount uh the narrative too right he came in from another league yeah and maybe people felt like he like we talked about in the episode when we talked about langway right mm -hmm. maybe people yeah. thought he changed the culture here's a 35 year old player he's the second oldest ever to win the heart i think yeah. um but maybe he comes in and montreal i'm gonna look i'm gonna look it up um but like maybe montreal was not they needed something or you know i don't know yeah. um some kind of culture reset or something they wouldn't have called it back then uh well yeah so basically they missed the playoffs the year before and they were terrible yeah so i think that's exactly what happened yeah and then and they, they were... had signed her gardener so he was like the difference maker sort of i guess yeah yeah i think i think i think we found it yeah. um the other thing i i would like to bring up and i didn't look this up until uh right now but it's uh i feel like it's uh worth mentioning is that um it was a close vote which i didn't realize oh so uh between Car gardner and cook so cook who would have been the normal choice in most years right he won the art ross yeah um that was a fairly typical it's fairly typical throughout the history of the heart to give it to someone who won the Art Ross a lot of the time, not all the time, obviously, but a lot of the time. Um, it was uh, 89 votes to 85 votes. Oh. It's really close. East Coast bias? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cook was on the Rangers, so. <laughs> Canadian um, bias? <laughs> yeah, Canadian bias. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and, and so uh, it's got to be. Uh, my guess would be those four people who voted for Gardner instead of Cook were were carried away by that Montreal sucked and now they don't. And yeah. what changed? Well, Herb Gardner's on the team, and here's this guy. He came in. They got one of the best players from best older players from the WCHL, and now they're better. That seems like a reasonable narrative to me. Um, I don't know what to do with them, honestly. Yeah, uh, 
it, you know what the the old timer guys unless there's like a reason to kick them out i really don't think we can yeah well in this case too it's just it's tough because like with all the other guys we have their offensive numbers right so with the forwards yeah. we can say well scored this many goals at this many times in this league and then that went and did it in this league and all that and even with someone like harry cameron he scored yeah. a bunch so we're like okay good you were probably pretty good harry cameron but this guy who didn't it's like all we have is you know um is this heart trophy which you could definitely argue and the fact that he was probably the best defenseman on um on a wchl champion team that that did not win the cup but at least won their league and like that's that's the gist of it like it's 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 not uh it's not um you know not great uh case but on the other hand like you said he's in and and we don't know a lot about him i mean i i i think you know you you can you can read what people said about it in the past but like without the actual like you know, more information about how uh his actual uh numbers and like things like which i would love like having his ice time for example um yeah. i just uh i don't know um i i don't know what to do with him i think it's hard I'm inclined. it really really is yeah um I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. I was just—it's one of those things where I always feel. I always sort of feel for you know. I'm I'm sure you know the Gardner family has, you know, sort of you know our dad was in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, just like, are you really going to take that away from them just because you don't know what stats there were? Like, if you could prove that he wasn't important, but like, yeah, kick him out. But like, you know, come on, like. It's just it's one of those things where I think we just got to leave him in and be like, there must have been something about him that we can't tell from stats. And it's that blind spot of stats that we have, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But what are you going to do? And I know, you know, the, the hockey, uh, hockey's future history form has like a profile on him somewhere. I just forgot to yeah. look it up. And, uh, but the thing is, all that is is usually like quotes from people. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> fine but i don't know who these people are i don't know how reliable they're so um yeah i mean i'm i have no i feel like i have no opinion about this guy uh, except for the fact that like i can totally see why some people i am not but why some people could be outraged that he he won that heart that year and i mean it was very close like four votes i don't know i i haven't looked at a lot of heart voting uh recently but i i bet four votes is about as close as it gets you know Especially, I mean, nowadays it would never get that close, but uh, with all this, like, because there's the the point, you know, first, second, third, fourth place votes and stuff. But like, um, you know, it it it's it's probably fairly rare for it to get much closer. I mean, there's probably one or two where it's like two or three votes, but four votes feels pretty close to me. It's yeah, it's super close. All right. Um. So I guess we should just recap for everybody. Uh, Eric Desjardins, yeah or nay? I'm gonna say nay, but I'm yeah. I, I wouldn't be opposed to him being in, but I'm not gonna not gonna beat down any doors for him to get in. But it's it's close. It's really close. All right. I also say nay. Rob Blake, yay or nay? 
I'm going to say yay, but again, if somebody wanted to kick him out, I wouldn't uh, throw up a huge protest, but I think he does just barely belong. I am going to be more emphatic with my yay. Hmm. I think he belongs. And then Herb Gardner. Excuse me. Yay or nay? Uh, based on the fact that we have no knowledge whatsoever, I'm going to say let's not uh, make his family cry and leave him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? I Yeah, I mean, like... It's, it's so it's, hard to know. And I mean, yeah. like if you're just going based purely on stats, I'd say no. But again, it's defensemen. And who knows what they were expected to do in that era? Like, yeah. you know, if my grandfather were still alive, maybe we would ask him. But like, <laughs> honest to God, I think he probably would like, even my grandfather, I believe, would have been about 10 at that point. Like, yeah, my grandfather would have been like, yeah, yeah, like a ten, ten. yeah, nine you or ten. Don't know anyone who was alive, like. Yeah. So how would you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. I'm not gonna kick a guy out just because he's old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's it for us uh, for this episode. And uh, once again, I don't think we have any idea who we're talking about next time. So uh, we're on to a new. Uh, we're on to like the 2013 induction class Ooh, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five years now. Five years. So, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll figure out that, and then we'll be back with a new episode soon. So thanks for listening.